afternoon. Welcome back to Good Vibes with Jason B, a Broad Minds and More podcast. So we're going to continue on with our debt management. I said I was going to make an episode within the next couple weeks, so here we go. This one is just kind of re-going over what we've already learned before. Um, and it, it's, it's really going over the habits. So as I was going through my own personal debt situation, I really started writing down every debt that I'm paying and the debts that I'm not paying and collecting interest and collecting and so forth. So those are things that's like, okay, Jason, I really want to get out of this crappy situation, but, you know, I've heard you talk about this stuff, and this is these the questions I've gotten personally. Um, so this is where we're going to attack um, and using my own self as the test subject, you know, so I really attacked this. So, you know, obviously I have student loans, I have the monthly bills, but little by little I've been minimalizing my monthly dues. Now, monthly dues are gym dues, um, if you got cash advances, if you had credit card bills, um, so on and so forth. So stuff that you pay the same amount every single month. So what is, what is the abundance of those negatives hurting your situation. Now, by now, I started this debt management um, series months ago, and so this has been kind of like I've been quiet on this. I've been dealing with my own personal issues and dealing with whatever. But I'm refocused on what is going to get me, and hopefully you as Americans are listening, or those who are listening abroad, in a better situation. So, we're going to t- attack this in several different spheres. Um, the first is the mental sphere. No one likes bills. No one likes repetitive bills. Nobody likes giving money away. So, um, like I've said before, if you don't attack your bill situation, your debt situation, with a healthy mindset, you're always going to be running right back to the same devices, the same things that have put you in the gutter or put you in the hole, and right back from the hole, and you're always trying to dig yourself or dig your way out. Now, um, this is going to be hard, but I, I do have to say it because it's coming from a personal place, but also a business place. So, um, Repetitive bills can be also like the dues for your kid's sport. Say like your kid plays year-round or swims year-round like mine does. It costs my daughter, it costs me and my ex, between the both of us, a total of 105 a month without the swim meet. We had to pay $105 a month, literally, you know, for her dues. And then it's like $15 a meet, $5 a race. So it adds up quickly. Now, um, you have to look at it like, yeah, you want your kid to be the excellent athlete. But if they're the excellent athlete but a poor student, that could be a repetitive bill and a detriment to your debt. Because that $105 that I was spending is stopping me from paying $105 for myself or to my savings. And to this day, I have a total of $300 saved in my savings account, not my checking. 
So it took me a long time to say $300. And I was like, wow, how did I, you know, why is it taking so long? Why can't I save? And again, it's going back over the previous episode. You have to have the saving mentality versus the spending mentality. The saving mentality means that you're going to be a lot more critical before you decide to commit to anything monthly or one-time fee. Now, my monthlies did go up. I did purchase a lull bed from the Internet, and let me tell you, that bed is amazing. I got rid of my old bed. Um, I go to bed, and I go to sleep earlier. I'm going to bed between 9 and 10 o'clock. I'm not staying up like 12, 12, 12 like I used to, and I have a more fulfilled sleep, which gives me a more stable mental capacity to apply myself to think consciously of my choices. Um, so the total cost of the bed was 9.35. My minimum payment I think is about $85. But I'm going to go ahead and pay $170 this month um by the end of this month to take care of that bill. Um and that's kind of a big deal if you ask me. It really truly is a big deal because it's like, man, how many months? So I set a target date of when I was going to pay this off. So by October 1st, or by my birthday, October 7th, I will have $935 paid off. Did it hurt my savings in that situation? Yes, it did. But the investment that I put into this bed is going to give me the better sleep, you know. And I didn't buy a king-size bed. I bought a queen-size. So... You know, if me and my ex, or if I end up having another partner, we're just going to sleep on a queen bed. I, I just don't think that it is reasonable to have a king-size bed, more space. It's just, yeah, hey, it's more space taking up in a room, and yet more space to share in a room, you know. So um, we have to really, really think about, you know, what is useful versus what is a desired luxury. Now, we're going to get to that point of luxury later. So anyhow, so approaching this mental stability, the key ingredients to mental stability, I will tell you right now, first of all, is your sleep. Second of all, is what are you putting in your brain? If you're watching more than four hours of TV a day, you are corrupting your brain. You are not feeding it. You are just giving it meaningless information. Even if you're watching documentaries, your, your brain is not working. It's just observing. So, you know, that's just my personal opinion. But anyway, so um, also reduce the amount of touch time to your cell phone. So the average person touches their cell phone 150 times a day and spends an hours of excess of six hours a day, believe it or not. So, yes, six hours a day, uh, the average American is spending looking at their cell phone screen. So, okay, um, this is a really big deal to me because I have an eight-month-old daughter, and my daughter loves to look at my phone screen. So, and I notice this growing trend, and I see so many people and parents done it. I've done it too. We buy these electronic devices, and they want to um, entertain or show them something interesting. You know, that's got to stop because their brainwaves are wired to that electronic pulse or or um, 
vibration, and it stunts their growth in their minds. They're not really learning. They're they're continuing the growth of the observational mind without working the mind. Um, that's my personal opinion and observation. So my I can prove this because my ten year old, I started letting her watch my device. Gave her an iPad at three or four, and she turns into a little monster if I let her have her tablet or whatever computer for too long. So it is a detriment. So six hours a day is a lot for any of us to be on a phone. I mean, my ex, she's on her cell phone. I see her catching, looking at Instagram and posting shit more, and it's a trend, you know. I'm sorry. Our cell phones are not our magic mirror. So we understand that. Um, The next part of this is very, very critical and understanding is that we, as parents, need to put that down. So we've we got to put in books more in our hands and information that help them grow, give them imagination. So part of this is all going to play into um, the debt management scenario because these habits that not only are teaching your child, but they're teaching yourself, like, I need to be entertained, you know. And we have become an overabundant, entertainment-minded society and people. We don't always need to be entertained. Our minds and our bodies need to work. And this plays into the debt scenario. So anyhow, so getting how, how does this play into the debt management scenario? Okay, so here we go. If I'm not conscious of how I'm feeling or how I'm thinking, then I'm letting impulse, receptive impulses and observations of things showing me what I want instead of me choosing, yeah, I really want to do this, um, creates a void. Um, That void opens up a Pandora's box of bullshit and over-consumerism. So what happens, we end up living in a smaller, more rough, maybe not something as desirable as we really want to live, Um, We live in this atmosphere, and we buy, 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 buy to be entertained. Um, And if you don't think online, look around and see how much entertainment is around you. And if you're not that way, hey, I commend you. So we spend all this money and junk on money on junk. And it's like, well, why? Because we're bored. You know, and... With being bored, you know, you have to understand we're we're receptive to somebody else's ideas and dreams, which put the the scenario and burden on our lives to buy more than what we need. Now that's a big deal. It's like, what do you really need? Well, food, shelter, you know, and sleep. That's what the three essentials that you need. You know. The basic three essentials, you cannot escape that. And um, you may argue, what about for my family? Well, you all suffer from the same human condition. You need food, shelter, and sleep. You know, there is a fourth category, an activity, and work. Yes, that does play into it, but it is an essential. But the keys are the the first three. So if you hinder any of those three, you hinder your sleep. You hinder your food. You create shortcuts for your food. 
or even you create shortcuts for your housing. You're not comfortable. You're actually, you know, you're being molded and oppressed. And people say, well, you know, uh, we need to make it more fair. No, there's nothing more fair than life as it is already. You know, and people might argue that. They might, but I don't care how you argue it. If you get down to the nit and gritty of it all, the simple most quintessential thing is you need those three basics. So going forward, so we understand that if we don't have those three basics, we can tend to press click and buy. How many times have you bought into a workout system? How many times have you bought at-home workout stuff? How many times have you bought gadgets and they didn't pan out to what they said they were going to be? Or they worked for a shorter period of time and you're like, what a fucking waste of money. You know, so we understand that and get that real big point. You know, and once we understand, because of those impulses, creates habits. From the habits in that mental sphere, we are looking at um, over excess expenditures and liabilities. Now, this is basic to accounting. If you ever take an accounting 101 or accounting one, you're going to learn about what's a liability and what's an asset, you know. It's basically into that, and there's really not many in-betweens. You know, everything has a shelf life, everything has a a use life, and if you don't understand that, then I suggest you start taking a beginning accounting or bookkeeping course, and it gives you some kind of mindset of how spending works. So, and you get accruals, you know, and you're like, okay, well, how the fuck is all this really playing into it? Well... If we understand our habits and we understand our thinking, we understand where our money is going. So I was looking at myself and I was like, okay, I only have $300 saved. How can I increase that to $1,000 within two months? Now I have a salary of, let's just say, over five grand, you know, um, that I earn. How much of that is spent? Well, it's like only 300 that means there's a big void in my own operational system and what I'm mentally spending on. So, you know, I started thinking about that and I was like, oh man, some of the things that I talked about, I'm spending on again. How did that happen? Again, it's mental habits that you created that are ingrained in your functional system. So once we have to work constantly, you have to work years I mean years at disciplining yourself to becoming a saver and not a spender. So as you start looking at what you're spending on, you're like, maybe I'm maybe I'm not so eager to go have a nice meal, you know, just for the fuck of it because I feel like it. Maybe I'm not so eager to go spend $12 on a burger from, say, like Burger King or something like that, or Carl's Jr., or whatever you have, because that's what they are out here in California. You're going to spend that much on a meal, and that meal is going to hinder your mental sphere and capacity as well as your physical sphere and capacity. So we understand it's like, okay, well, every dollar counts, just like every minute of your time counts. So we looked at the mental sphere and we understand if I don't create good habits and disciplines, I'm not going to have money and I'm going to be in always the debt pool. 
Now, some people will say you'll always be in debt. Well, you know what my saying to them? Fuck you. No. I am not a slave to work. I'm a, I choose to work. I enjoy my work. I enjoy my life. And I use work as a trade to get what I want. You have to correct that mind mental status right then and there. Stop working for money. Stop thinking about, oh, I'm working for money. Um, and here, here's a big deal. And not to hammer down on any particular person, but I was listening to Bernie Sanders talk about the Disneyland employees and that they make eleven seventy-five an hour, you know, to please people. So we have I, – I love Bernie Sanders. I'm a liberal I'm not a Democrat, and I'm not a Republican. I'm in between. I can see the benefits of both sides, and I'm not lost in other people's philosophy. So, anyhow, so they, they were talking about they only made so much money, and they had expected to do so much to put out this kind of work. And this lady was probably in her 40s, I'd have to say. So as I was listening to her, they don't. the company does not want to treat her well. The company does not want to pay her well. She'd been working there for 10 years, and that's the most she's making. So what's the, what's the problem with that? Without me being critical of her and criticizing her of her choice, I am not here to bully someone or to make someone feel bad. But if you're staying in a minimum wage job, ask yourself, are you getting what your full worth is? Some people might say, well, I'm a convict, or I'm this and I'm that. You know, I'm this. I've always had this way. This mentality hinders your earning capacity, going and getting what you're worth. Well, I don't have an education. I'm not college educated. These are excuses that you were taught. So if we take those excuses and say, like, you're really good at making hamburgers. Let's take that as a basic thing. You know, it takes manual work. But if you're only getting paid, say, like seven, nine, ten, eleven dollars an hour for making that burger, and your rent is say like twelve hundred a month, are you really surviving? Are you really gaining? No, you're not. You're not getting what you're worth. What choices could I make to get out of that? The girl might ask, should have asked. Look for a different company. Look for other avenues that she can exploit herself. Where she could maybe get a personal loan, some something like like from, or grant from your local city of commerce, you know, <laughs> or your Better Business Bureau, or the federal government. You don't always have to have great credit to get these grants and you know and loans. There are organizations out there, and you're going to have to take a little bit of time to look. Yes, look to find out what you can do. Now, I'm only using this as an example, so. This lady was complaining about how she was expected to work so hard. And now they're starting to employ foreign students or foreign personnel from other countries and pay them less. I don't like that. I really think that's a fucked up thing to do, you know, and I think it's wrong. If you live here in the United States, the standard wage, minimum wage for the minimalist skill from the minimalist work, could get paid minimum wage, but because certain things take more skill, personality, and more work, guess what? The dollar sign goes up, and if an average person is spending $120 just to get in the park and $10 just for a burger, 
burger alone, no soda, no fries, or nothing like that, then I think that Disney can afford to um, pay their employees a little better because they have thousands, probably 30,000 visitors a day. Now, can you imagine that, ladies and gentlemen, of how much revenue that is, bringing every day into their parks? Yes, they could. So I'm kind of siding with the lady, but at the same time, if you've reached a roadblock, a mental sphere roadblock of what you've accepted in the station of your life, I want you to think, how can we grow out of it? And there are plenty of books. There's plenty of resources out there. You just got to go out and start asking the questions and start doing the research. So the first thing is go get your worth. If you're working the same job three years and not make, making much more, sorry. Step up. Get up. Don't let anything get in your way. I don't care if you're smart or stupid. You have the capacity to change your condition. You know, no matter how old you are or what condition you are, you're in. There are plenty of people that have proven you can change any, your station anytime. So we understand that. So we understand go get your what you're worth, you know. And even if it is just flipping burgers, who cares? You can make maybe get your own food truck or food cart, you know. And flipping burgers in a, in a destination means like, hey, you're the one that's hustling and you're the boss now, you know. So we understand you know, that adds into the mental sphere and the habits of what we're doing and how we're earning. So I'm going to take a little bit of a brief break, and I'll be back right back. Hey, Jason, this is Z over at Integrity Radio, and thank you for a very good episode on habits. And um, I thought I'd send you a link on Maslow's uh, Pyramid of Needs, Hierarchy of Needs. Um, it reminded me a lot of what you were talking about. All right. Uh, thanks again and hope you enjoy the link. Okay. Thank you. Sifuzi. How you doing? Uh, so glad to hear. Yeah, I'm going to check out that link as soon as I get a chance when I get home. So continuing on folks. So now we're going to move on to the next sphere of influence or part of our lives. And that's the physical. Everything physical has a ramification to the mental sphere of, of our beings. So let's talk about the physical. When we, um, when we are in bad health, we are performing in bad health, we are living in bad health, we are thinking bad health, we are breathing bad health, and so forth. So there are thousands and thousands of diets, workout plans, schemes, gimmicks to get you to live better, supposedly. But how much of that are you investing in and it's kind of like a half-assed effort like you want to see results within days weeks whatever it may be but then you find out the real cost of the matter and it's like oh crap so in order to start thinking better and feeling better about your debts we got to start changing how you eat how you sleep how you exercise, how you interact with people, and how you hold yourself. So let's start out, before I get to the food part, let's start out with posture. Posture is very, very important. Posture is going to tell a lot about a person. How is that going to relate to debt management? Well, posture is indicative to debt management because it shows a physical presence of how you take care of your life. You 
you know, when someone has hunched over shoulders and they want to meet someone, say like they're single and they want to meet someone attractive, what do they have? They don't. They don't have. They either have too much stress, and if they are wealthy, they're not happy about being wealthy. So straighten up, straighten up your back. Make sure when you sit in a restaurant, you sit at a hardback chair. Don't sit in booths. Because when you're upright, you're going to make better choices uh, when it comes to food. And that's important. So posture is, you know, a very big deal, a part of the physical sphere of influence on our debts. Um, metaphorically and satorically saying, um, posture also radiates your chi or your, um, your aura, your, uh, your chakras, according to the Eastern philosophies. Um, I, I, as I look at people with really good posture, I notice they have a joy about them and they care about themselves and they, um, and the same goes for business and money. They don't have a much worry as most people. So how does that relate? You might ask, well, if you're sitting up right, you're more aware, you're more into, you're not predisposed to a thought or thinking process of where you've been, what you're doing, what you've been through, and what's weighing you down. So you might think I'm crazy, but you want to start changing something, change your posture, change how you talk, change how you listen, and apply into the principles that I've already talked about in debt management. Now, it may seem crazy, but you're going to have to be disciplined about this, because I'm sure that you've had many years to feel like crap and get in a certain position to um, to show who you are. And once you get out of that bad habit of hunched over back or shoulders, you'll start being, being more receptive and more open and you'll start inviting more abundance because who knows, maybe someone might come offer you something like, hey, like an interesting individual. You want to have lunch. Hey, I'm handling this business. It does happen. It really does happen. Should be on. I mean, how many individuals do you see physically? 
you spend your money and how you save your money. You know? So, brush your teeth, iron your clothes, fold your clothes, make your bed. These little ingredients can go a long way. Because what it's going to do is it's going to set up this discipline. If you're in the, if you're in the living discipline of taking care of the things that are physically around you, the metaphysical and mental sphere will be influenced. Then you won't have the impulses to spend or you'll have an influence of receptiveness, that you're proud, that you're grateful, that you have grace, you have gratitude to receive more. It all relates to like, as I call it, the laws of attraction. So, if your desk's a mess, clean up. Get rid of papers that don't need to be there. If your bed's always been a mess, make it. Feel the comfort in your home. When you come home and you go to bed, you lay down, feel that comfort, feel that relaxation. Let go of the stress. Also, it improves. Again, the mental sphere of influence on our lives about how we spend our money because when we're proud of what we already have and we're not desiring as much we're not spending as much and we're saving so that also oh and, and I'm, I want to save the heavy ones for last I really do you know so the next part you know ironing your clothes shining your shoes man and some women there is a basic tool I'm going to talk about shoes stop wearing worn out shoes stop wearing the favorite pair of shoes let them go get rid of stuff that's hanging in the closet for years on years let it go if you're not getting rid of the old you're never going to invite the new again this also affects the mental sphere of influence in our lives spend on. Yes, you're going to spend on clothes. We don't need to hold on to clothes like a hoarder or collection artist. Like, not all the same clothes always work a couple years in a row in fashion. Some don't. You know, but coats and shoes are, they do. You know, for us guys, let me tell you, you want to preserve your dress shoes a little bit better. Stop kicking your heels of your shoes off. You're trying to take your shoes off. You know, untie your laces and take off your shoe by hand. No matter how tart. So when you go to put them on, buy a shoehorn. Find a shoehorn and slip your shoes on down. Again, it affects the mental sphere of influence of how you spend safely because when your shoes aren't ruined, they're signature of our wardrobe, you're saving money towards things that are meant to last quite a while, and it makes it easier than trying to budge with your finger the back of your heel of your shoe to get your, your shoes on. Just saying, it's a very important aspect. You know, uh, haircuts. Now, some guys go every week to get their hair trimmed up. Some guys go once a month. Some go every couple months. If you're going to do that a couple months, have a hairstyle for yourself to ma that maintains that's meant to be grown into. You know, there 
lot of men who are shaving their heads to make it easy, and then there are some men who are growing their hair out as they, it gets longer and they're styling it. Good idea. It's a part of the appearance. Look yourself in the mirror. Be proud of who you are. Again, it affects the mental sphere of influence by where you spend. You can save money because if you're not spending so much money on hair products to try to look good, smell good, you are good. Next with a bigger issue, exercise. It is a fact that all human beings must exercise. Um, I learned this in, uh, what is it, physical anthropology. Dr. Scully can never forget her. And Dr. Scully used to, this is kind of like um, X-Files, Dr. Scully used to say that, you know, when we're babies, our bones have spaces in them. And as we get older, those spaces fuse. So to keep longevity, working out, lifting weights, stretching, and exercising or being active is key. Now I'm not saying go and do a Spartan race or run a marathon. I'm just saying be challenged. Physically challenge yourself. If you look at how real successful people live, they live in a clean, active atmosphere. They go out, they go on walks after dinner, they exercise early in the morning, they're not drinking 10 pots of coffee in the morning, they're not taking 5-hour energy drinks. Again, how does that affect life? It affects the mental sphere of influence like I was talking. When you're feeling better, you don't need as much impulse from an object or liquid or commodity to make you feel good, to make you feel awake, to notice your existence. You're not spending money to make you feel alive. So my recommendation is exercise as early in the morning as possible. I do it between 4 and 5 o'clock in the morning. Hardly anyone at gym. I don't have to compete for anything. And I feel great. I don't need coffee. You know, that physical presence of influence or physical sphere, when you exercise, you're going to fit into clothes better. Your frame's going to look better and stronger. You're going to feel better. And your consciousness of where you choose to spend your money is going to be big. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. You can do swimming, biking, running, weightlifting. I do jiu-jitsu, swimming, and weightlifting. That's good enough for me. So, these people that do this, they have a conscious mind on what they're spending their thoughts on of how to grow. They think about growing money and saving money as opposed to blowing money and having nothing left over. Poor people don't do this. You know, they just don't. So, next part is eating. Now there's so many ways to tell you how to eat right. I'm going to make it very simple. Um, without using the old fashioned pyramid, I want you to think about your diet. How much of your food comes out of a box, preheated, or uh, in a package, in a bag, in a frozen bag. How much of it does not have raw ingredients? That is a big indicator. Anything that qualifies in those categories, 
it's not healthy for you. It's going to affect your mind. It's going to affect your thinking. It's going to affect your decision making. And if you're eating like a poor man and getting just fast food, you're going to act like a poor man. You're going to be a poor man. And that's, that's it. It's really simple as that. You know, it affects the physical senses first. You may feel like garbage. And then the mental sphere of influence. So how do you make better decisions if you're not eating right? Now everyone said, there are a lot of people says eat, you know, low carb, eat keto, eat Atkins, da 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 I'm going to say don't eat to be comforted. talking about the habits and now Napoleon Hill really laid the foundation for all of this so it's not really necessarily a new idea but what I really stood out in my mind and really has really touched my mind is there are people that make lots of money but save nothing they have fancy houses cars clothes they don't own shit and they don't have enough assets that make them money now that's a big thing and it's just like so if you look at like the guys that really run the show or run the big corporations they were smart or intelligent with what they use money as money is an object to facilitate contracts deals agreements oaths whatever it's based 
the, the dollar bill or the $100 bill, whatever you use, whatever increment, it is a guarantor for exchange. So one of my friends on Instagram made a, a statement says, I'm chasing paper. And I made a comment on her page and I said, you shouldn't chase the paper. You should chase the wealth. And she's all, well, my neck of the woods, it's not, um, you know, it's all about paper. And to me, when I was listening to this story on YouTube, the audio, um, they were gave an example of a rancher who lives modestly, but has millions and millions of dollars. You know, he does not dressed up in fanciest of clothes, doesn't put on big social get-togethers. By looking at him, you wouldn't think that he had, he's worth much, but he owns so much cattle. One of the largest cattle farmers in Texas. You know, and, and they had a saying, those with big hats have no assets who have little money people with not with big hats have lots of assets that make lots of money and the the, the metaphor meant something to me because it basically in my understanding the people with the fancier clothes the more expensive things waste on expensive and luxurious things and what's wrong with being modest and having what you have and not blowing it, you know? And uh, one of the other things they mentioned was those millionaire-minded people, they raise their children to be self-sufficient and not dependent on a legacy that they've built. And that was, that really touched home. Because I really am, I want, you know, one of my daughters, she's already grown. She'll seek her own path, her own way, and I respect her for it. But for my other two, I really want to direct them to building themselves, not to depend on what I have. Now, right now, I don't have much, but I definitely have a plan. I have a method, and I am putting it to action. And um, I'm going to make my money. I mean... Uh, it was said to me the other day that like, oh, you don't have much time. You know, you're 45. And I'm like, you're right. You're reminding me how old I am. Thank you. You know, and after I was listening to this audiobook, it's not about the time limit you have. It's realistically, we don't know when we're going to die. We don't know how long we're going to live. But it doesn't mean you need to go be lazy about it. You know what I mean? Just apply yourself the best you can and enjoy yourself while you're doing it. Enjoy the obstacles and the challenges that you have in front of you. So this book was really like touching my senses because it was saying, you know, like it was talking about the Texan guy and people were just basically misjudging him like left and right. But like the really wealthy aristocratic rich they were explaining in this um, these people from Britain came over and they said oh they're looking for like this really really rich guy and they couldn't find him but then it dawned on them oh they're in Texas they don't dress all that way well they do but he doesn't value the you know the clothes more than what he works for so 
what that told me is there's a big difference between wealth and making a lot of money. There's a lot of people who make a lot of money, but don't save shit. And I was thinking about how this is in relation to debt management is how much of my money is an asset in my savings. You know, you got to have money work for you, not just be there. And you got to have a savings plan, like I've mentioned in so many of the episodes. So having savings is a wealth, whether it be or a million dollars. It is a statement of wealth that has not moved. You know, and that's an interesting area to touch on. I think that we all can learn from this. Um, In the long run, I believe that um, what I want to do, to be honest with you, is you know important to me because I believe that I have the necessary interest, attitude, and developing the skills to become a successful attorney, business attorney, a businessman. Now, there's a lot of things in business I don't know how to do. I'm not a great accountant, and um, I'm learning about business, and I'm starting to develop my mind for business. So, I think that's what we all can learn from. So, take that notion. Remember, money, making a lot of money, does not equal being wealthy. You know, it's not how much you make, it's how much you save. That's really the wealth. Well, thanks for listening to Good Vibes with Jason Mia Broadminds and more podcast. Please leave a comment, spread the wealth. And share with your friends. Love to hear more listeners. Um, right now, I'm in a listener lull, but I believe I'm going to be creating more and more fulfilling and interesting content. So, thank you for listening to my uh, debt management, and I'll be adding to this to one of those episodes. Thanks a lot. Welcome to another edition of Good Vibes with Jason B. A Broad Minds and More podcast. It is Friday. It is currently 95 degrees right outside of Merced. I'm on the freeway on the, my way to Fresno, California to do some of my work. So I thought I'd make a quick uh, few episodes or segments. And we're going to talk a couple, about a couple different things. So thank you again for listening. Please suggest my station to your friends. Please give me a rating on iTunes if I publish this episode on iTunes. Or call in, give me a clap, whatever you want if you're here on Anchor. So, getting forward with today, I'm always giving advice. Always, uh, always saying something I'm finding out. But you know, uh, there's times just to to speak for the purpose of speaking. You know, and um, you know, I was uh, listening to a few stations. I was listening to the Crazy Asian um, Sherman. Love the guy listening to him, and he brought up an interesting thing about himself that I believe so many other people do in business. Now, when we go to college, we go to school, um, we learn things about philosophy, we learn things about fiction, 
We learn things about facts-based, researching, all that other good stuff. But a lot of times we never pay attention to the value that it gives us for our makeup and our design. Um, you know, to being able to hold things or people or organizations accountable, you know, it's like kind of like we ask the question, why do I have to take biology? Why do I have to take U.S. history? Or at least 12 freaking years of it, you know, to really get a stupid piece of paper that is only going to give somewhat of a license or acknowledgement that I have the knowledge or survey knowledge of a frequently taught uh, subject area. You know, but this is one of those times where um, I do appreciate have taken literature in, in college, you know, uh, and in high school, reading, reading and writing, you know, in English. It's been so very valuable. So, um, Sherman, sorry if I quote you on this, but, you know, he was basically saying that if you, um, he finds value in reading, you know, fact-based biographies and so forth and uh, business books. You know, that's his fancy, as he would say. And he doesn't find very much value in fictional novels. And he was using the example of Harry Potter. So, believe it or not, so many people think the same thing, but this is, uh, it's kind of a twisted story if you really think about it because we need fiction as well as we do need factual-based novels. And um, even factual-based novels can actually be fiction as well. And um, But to the human experience, fiction gives some texture, imagination, things that we can create. I'm going to give my first example. Now, Gene Roddenberry, the author and, and creator of the Star Trek series, he's responsible, really, for inspiring so many people do and create things that we really enjoy. In the Star Trek series, like when you watch it in the 60s, they used tricorders um, to read vitals on, on a human being or, or a being, period. They used uh, communicators, handheld communicators, you know, to communicate out, outer space. In reality, if you really think about it, we have that today. Um, their tricorders are, you know, in theory a little bit more advanced than we are, but I believe we're on that track. So we have tablets. We have tablets that attach to machines, which are attached to us, which give us the readings and vitals of the human being. Our communicators are cell phones. And these things were created out of a fiction mindset. And some people will say, well, yeah, I really think about that. And even like Star Wars, George Lucas's creation, um, he talks, or he, in his stories, he talks about light speed. Well, um, I don't know if it's the, the theory of relativity or um, the theory of light and sound, um, they basically work with that it is impossible to go faster than the speed of light. And it's true. It is possible. You know, because without getting too in depth with it, um, light can only travel so far. 
if it's powerful. It always has a limit. So a uh, proof of point to that would be when you look up, look out into the night sky and you see stars. We don't know how far those stars are. A lot of times we can assume. Um, even the things that feed us now, like the sun. The sun is actually a star, an ever-glowing star, and it, as well as a planet at the same time. You know, it heats constantly. So, yeah, there you go. You know, but, you know, they're getting into, um, like, phasers from Star Trek or Star Wars or any sci-fi novel. Um, The weapons are now changing amongst our planet. Like, if the invention of the gun based on a bullet is only going to have so much of a shelf life because you actually have to create the bullet, you know, through so many different processes, you know, gunpowder, metal, lead, you know, to create the, the shell the case, or the casing, the gunpowder for the firing agent, and then the projectile, the lead, you know, the bullet itself. And now they're, you know, with Trump and uh, Mike Pence's uh, announcement that they are going to work toward a creation of a new branch of the government called the Star Force, you know, or whatever, whatever they want to call it, but it's basically soldiers in space, or military in space, and that's like the next evolution, so fictional novels have led us the way to many different parts of society that we're enjoying, you know, now I know it's important to read biographies and fact-based books, but never lose sight of your creativity through literature you know, fictional or non-fictional. Because, believe it or not, there's so many non-fictional books that have shaped a lot of our moral compasses. You know, um, and I may get slammed on this, I may not, but, like, the Holy Bible. I don't know how many times it's been written over, recreated, you know, but it also can be considered a fictional book. Now, legally, I'm right because there is no proof or reference of every single thing that the Bible dictates can be proven that it has existed or exists as a published work that can be referenced as a fact. That's true. Now, truth can be argued, but, I mean, it it is a fact. So if the Bible is constantly being changed and the wording is being changed Therefore, the meaning is being changed. Then it can no longer be considered a non-fictional book, but considered a fictional book or fictional to theology. So some people might say, "Well, what the hell are you talking about, Jason?" And I'm like, "I challenge you. You know, um, these biblical theologians, the scholars. Um, where are these?" Scrolls that where the Bible has been basically translated from, or at. Um, there is the Catholic Church, and supposedly they hold many different references from those times. But at the same time, 
if you follow the history of Rome and the church. Um, these guys are responsible for at least the A.D. after the death of Christ or New Testament, a lot of the shit that happened. So they're the gatekeepers, although that most of the stories took place in um, Israel, Turkey, and Greece, believe it or not. So it's kind of like, dude, the dudes from Italy basically are they're the bad guys that instituted law, and therefore they recreated law to believe that they have validity to be followed. Kind of interesting if you ask me. Anyway, so the real point and what I'm trying to say is, is that never stick your nose up at fiction. Look at fiction as something you're creating in your mind. When you're creating in your mind, imagination, the sky really is the limit. You know, or it is limitless. And that's something to think about. Well, I'm going to stop the segment for here. But I just want to plant that seed. That fiction, as well as nonfiction, are both equally important. And they're big character and moral builders of our lives and how we perceive things, how we act, and what we made to live our daily lives. Well, thank you for listening to Good Lives, Jason B. of Broad Minds and More podcast. Look forward to hearing your reviews. Uh, let me know. I'm trying to make this station a little better. Tell me what you honestly think, people. All right. Thanks a lot.